church. I'm glad to see you. We're starting a brand new series today called Getting Past Your Past. If you're new to Sacred Harvest Church, let me just tell you just a little snippet about me. I have grown up, my whole life growing up, I have been a workaholic. I've just worked and worked and worked, and I have given all of myself and the best of me I have given to working. And I guess the fear was, I was afraid that I wouldn't be a success, and so I just worked so hard, and I committed to just working as hard as I could. So I I developed the habit of working like 13 to 16 hours a day, every single day of my life, just up until just a few years ago. And I gave all my best to that, and I destroyed relationships around me, and it hurt myself, and it hurt my life, all because I was afraid if I didn't, I wouldn't be successful. Perhaps maybe for you, you have some junk up in your trunk. <laughs> you've got something in your life that you have said, I want this to happen, or, and so you've just gone after it, or maybe it's something that has chased you down. Maybe an addiction or something that has just hammered your life. Or maybe you have some emotional junk up in your trunk. And it has been everywhere you go. There it is. It's all, ooh, I got quite a trunk. And so maybe you are full with some emotional damage, some hurt, some pain. Maybe you have developed some ways of handling life that have been unhealthy. Maybe you have some emotions that that are your go-to emotions when things go bad. Or things get stressful. I don't know what's happening in your life. But if you are anything like me, you got some junk in the trunk. Me too. Well, the guy we're talking about today has a little junk in his trunk. And we don't think of this guy as a very trunky, junky guy. But he's got some stuff. Name's Abraham. Later in the Bible, they change it to Abraham. That's how you might recognize his name. Early, early, early in the Old Testament. I mean, one of the first people that really we get a lot of information on in the Bible. So we have this guy named Abraham. One of his problems, he just had this tendency of not trusting God to do what God would do. And so he felt like he had to lie to get out of things and to make things happen and to get things done. And he lied. On many occasions, things would be going on, the stress level would go high, and he would just kind of default to lying. That was just kind of his M.O. But also, he had, you know, he just had some trouble trusting God. But God kind of looked through all that mess, and God made a promise to this guy named Abraham. And he said, listen, I'm going to give you a child, and this child, from this child, is going to, you're going to have so many descendants, so many relatives, that it's going to be like sand on the beach. You'll never be able to count them all. There's going to be so many. It was an amazing promise that God had for that man, Abraham. And guess what? It still stands to this day, the promise he made to Abraham. Pretty amazing. Even though Abraham had some junk in his trial, pretty amazing. God looked past and Abraham was an old man by this time and he still did not have, God made this promise to him and he's like, listen, I, I'm an old man. He's like, Abraham's like, you know, his wife was like 90. Abraham's like 100. Oh, no kids yet. It's mm, not looking good. Not looking good at all. In fact, God, I'm not worried about my past. I'm just not sure I'm going to get to my future. If you're counting on me for this, God, I'm going to need a little help. So 10 years pass, and God, still no, no child. And I said, okay, I, we've, we've, got to, we've got to do something. I mean, it's, God's kind of forgotten, or maybe we need to just kind of 
prime the pump. I, I don't know. So what they did is they said they came up with another plan and they had a child and he had a child with another woman and they counted him. Well, that'll be our child. And God was like, what? That's not the plan. I told you I was going to, I, I know you have a habit of lying, Abraham. I don't. This is not the plan. I didn't lie to you. I am going to make this happen. And it really, you know, anytime we take all this stuff into our own hands, no matter what it is, it's not going to turn out good. And you, you, you know how this turned out? If, if you re, when you listen to the news tomorrow and the problems that are happening in the Middle East between Israel and all those other countries, pretty much, pretty much can go all the way back to that one decision where Abraham decided to help God out. And the, that's where it all happened, right there, pretty much. And it's still a mess today, right? Yeah. Guess what? It's going to be a mess tomorrow, too. It's going to be a mess till Jesus comes back. He just tried to help God out. Didn't work out so well. Well, so they have that son. And then God's like, hey, that's not my plan. So God said, I am going to do my plan. A few years later, God does give them the son that God promised. And his name, they named him Isaac. So now we find, we catch up here. After Isaac has been born, some years later, we're catching up with where we are in the Bible here. Chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am, God. Now, Abraham has learned now. He's deep into his hundreds. 100 years plus, deep into it, he's learned. Okay, I tried things on my way. If God is saying, I'm going to listen now. I'm listening, God. I'm listening. Verse 2. Take your son, your only son. Now, we know Abraham had more than one son, right? Well, I just told you he kind of took things in his own hand. But God's like, that's not my plan. This is your son, the one I'm providing. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much. I, that, that phrase, we just, could just pass on and keep reading because we know he loved him. But we can't just pass that phrase, whom you love so much. That word, love, that is the very first place in the entire Bible where that word is used. Anytime you run across something like that used, something as significant as that is used for the very first time, it is not random that it's used for the first time in this story. I know it seems random. Oh, love. Yeah, he loved his son. It seems random. It seems normal. It is not normal, not random. There is a purpose and a reason behind everything in the Bible. Every word, every phrase that seems so weird and random and just there, it's there for a purpose. In fact, if you write in your Bible, when you get home today, I know you can't see it in our dark theater, but when you get home, you should circle that word and off to the side write, first place ever used in the Bible. You know, God uses that word a lot, right? I mean, you watch football games yesterday, you're going to watch some today, somewhere in that stand, someone will be holding a sign that says what? John 3, 16, right? The most famous place in the Bible that uses the word love, for God 
God, this time, so loved. For God so loved who? The world. That he did what? He gave what? His only son. So that whoever, what? Believes is not going to perish but have eternal life. God uses this word love a lot, doesn't he? That's probably the most famous place. But let's go back here to Isaac and to Abraham. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac. That's the one we're talking about here. God says, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Again, that's a little random. Moriah, really, God? That's three days away. Why can't we just do it right over here on this hillside? Nope. You're going to Moriah. Random. Weird. Makes no sense. But it gets worse. Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Your son, Isaac, the one, you know, the one who you love, sacrifice. Kill him. Kill him. This seems so random. Here's why it's so random. Not because it seems so cruel, although it is. But it's random because this is a God who does not condone human sacrifice. Doesn't condone it. In fact, he hated it. But although human sacrifice was very common in that time, God never condoned it. But in this moment, he's saying, you will offer a human sacrifice. Random. So random and weird. But there's nothing in the Bible that's random. It's in there on, on purpose for a very specific reason. We just don't understand it. But it's in there for a reason. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Again, so random. Just go to the mountain range, Moriah, and I'm going to show you where to stop. And by the way, kill your son. Verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He's like, okay. I mean, I've learned, I'm deep into my 100s. I have learned that if God says it, I've got to do it. If I try to do or get out of and do it my own way, it's not going to work. So he just goes. He says, okay, okay, I'll go. He's learned from his past. I've, j I've just got to go. I've got to trust him somehow. I've got to go. And he got up early the next morning. He went on his way. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. And he chopped the wood. That was the old man chopping the wood deep into his 100s. Chopped the wood for fire burnt off for the burnt offering. Set out for the place God had told him about. Verse 4. On the third day, they walked for three days. Walk a day, sleep. Walk a day, sleep. Walk a day, three days. Three long days. On the third day of their journey, Abraham... Yeah, that seems so random. Why in the world would they, God send them three days away? Random, but not. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance because it was a mountain range, and he could see it off in the distance. In verse 5, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I, we will travel a little further. We're not going to stop here. We're going to keep going. Travel a little bit further. We will worship there. Worship meaning I, I'm, I'm going to off the boy. 
We'll worship there, and then we're going to come right back. Who's going? We're going. Who's coming back? We. We're coming back. Somehow, Abraham has learned to trust God. Abraham knew that God promised this son, this one son, that's where all your descendants are going to come from. And how many has he had so far from Isaac? Zero. Zero. Somehow Abraham knew. I don't know how God's going to do it. It doesn't make sense. It all seems so random, but none of it's random. I may not understand, and it may appear random, but it's not. I don't know how God is going to do this. I have no idea, but he will. Why? I may have a problem with lying. God does not. And he said, my children, my grandchildren, so many descendants are going to come from Isaac. I can't count them. And he hasn't done it yet. So if Isaac dies today, somehow God's bringing him back to life. Somehow. And in fact, Isaac might, have already, might as well have already been dead. Because that's, way, that's how Abraham trusted him. The moment he said, take your son and kill him. At that moment, Isaac was dead to Abraham. That three-day journey up to where they were going, in his heart and his mind, Isaac was already dead. We're going to worship there and we will be back. Every single day of your life and my life, every single day, if you choose to follow Jesus, somehow he's going to ask you, do you trust me? It may seem random and it may seem wild and it may seem off the charts. And in fact, what you're dealing with right now may be from the crap that you started yourself. From some of the past stuff you've been involved in. And now you've got all the junk happening right now. And your future looks horrible because of what you're doing now and what's happened then. Listen to me. God's got this. He's got it. It may be stuff that we have caused. But God can still do something amazing. He says, do you trust me? Even in the junk that you're going through right now, do you trust me? Verse 6, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on the shoulders of Isaac. Isaac took up his own pile of wood that was going to toast him. He was going to die on that wood, and he carried it up himself. While Abraham carried up the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together. Here we go now. Isaac says, well, dad. Turned to Abraham and said, father, um, let's see. Now, pause here for a moment. If you followed this story as a young person or you saw it in church in your early days. And if you saw a picture related to it, you probably saw Abraham as an old man, a drawing or a painting. And then you saw a young boy, maybe 12 years old or so, Isaac. But that's, they've done you a disservice because scholars tell us that was, he was not a boy. He was not a child. He was not a, he was not a, a, a he was not, a, he wasn't even a teenager. Some scholars say he was as close to the age of 30, may have been in his 30s. But let's just say they got it wrong. Let's just say he was 20. 
He's still old enough. You have a 20-year-old in your house, and you know them. If they say, this is what I'm going to do, what are you going to do to stop them? Say, don't. They're going to do it, right? Isaac, 20. Hey, Dad, yeah, we're going, um, yeah, see the stuff here, we forgot the lamb, the sheep. What's going on, Dad? What's happening? I'm quite sure if he decided not to participate, he's 20, his dad's what, 120, 130? He's going to outrun Dad. No problem. <laughs> See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. He's going to be gone. Dad's not catching him at 130, 120. Let's just say he was 80. Dad's not catching him. Dad couldn't even make him. <laughs> not going to catch him. So... Isaac is, if this goes down, Isaac is a willing participant. He's giving himself. Abraham can't force this. So, Abraham. God says, Abraham, I want you to bring me the best thing in your life. Everything that's good, Abraham, bring it to me. And that was Isaac. And by the way, while you're coming, Abraham, all that junk in your past, bring, bring me those lies. Bring me all those lies too while you're at it. Bring me everything that's good and bring me everything that's bad. Oh, and oh, let's not forget the ugly stuff. When you tried to do all this stuff your own way and create your own plan and help me out and it went so terribly wrong and it's still going wrong and it's going to go wrong for centuries, for millennia, bring me that too. God said, bring me your good. Bring me all your bad. Bring me the ugliest you've got. I demand it all. And Abraham brought it all and laid it all out there. So, Dad, where's, I got a question for you. And Abraham's in the Bible says, yes, my son. Abraham replied, well, we have the fire. We got the wood. Oh, Dad, where's, where's the sheep? You, you remember, I know you get a little older. You remember, burnt offering. Where's the sheep? Verse 8. If you write in your Bible, circle this and underline it, asterisk this. Abraham says, God will provide a sheep. God's going to provide. Whatever he needs here, God will provide for himself. We just got to bring him what, what he told us to bring him. We got to bring him what, all of this good, all the bad, all the other. We just got to bring it. Bring it all. Good, bad, and ugly. Bring it. God's going to provide. That's what Abraham answered. Then they both walked on together. Okay, Dad. I'm with you. God's going to provide. Verse 9. When they arrive at the place where God had told him to go. Pause here for just a minute. I'm not going to leave this. I'm going to stay in the verse. Um, but I just want to make a comment. Where did he tell him to go? Well, it seems so random, doesn't it? Just that phrase. When they arrive at the place God told him to go. Where, where are they? What makes us that? Well, just hang on to that question. We're going to come back to it. 
when they arrived at the place where God told him to go, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood. Isaac, a man, a willing participant. Verse 10. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, verse 11, at that moment, an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham has learned now deep into his life from his past, if God speaks, even if he sends an angel to do the speaking, I must listen. Yes, Abraham replied, here, here I am, God. I'm here. Where? Where are they? When he said, I'm here, where are they? I want to show you where they are. Oh, Ken, you did so good. They were somewhere else, and they traveled three days to get here. There's a little city right here. That's the name of it. A little, little town gathered up right here um, in the day of Abraham. Nothing else. This was all just wilderness here. Little town right there. So they stop. He says, hey, guys, you're going to wait for me. And they can see because here's the mountain range. This is the range of mountains called Moriah right there. And if you know a mountain, that means if you go down the mountain here, this is all a valley. And then up, there's more mountain on this other side. Valley all the way through here. Valley all the way here. So here's the mountain range right there. That's the top mountain range. So Isaac and Abraham, they leave their guys and they begin walking up this slogan. They're not hand over hand climbing. They're walking. It's a, it's, a, it's a little gradual walk up this mountain. And here's the first landing right here. That's the first. It still gets taller. See right here? It still goes up right there. And it goes up a little more right there. Here's the mountain range. But this is the first stopping place right here. I can imagine maybe they stopped, caught their breath, walking up, had the sticks. He's 120, 130 years old. It's like, I got to catch my breath. Hang on, Bo. So they stop and he breathes. But guess what? This is a valley right here, Kidron Valley. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. It was No water ran through there except during rainy season. It would drain down from this mountain, drain down from this mountain, and it would flow through here just during rainy season. This is a really important spot right here. This going up the side of this mountain here and this flat spot right in here. Very important place. Very important. Nothing happening this day. Nothing going on at all this day, but... Thousands of years later, right here in this spot, this, is, this was all full of olive trees right here. And they harvested the olives. And there was a private garden right in here. A private garden that had walls around it. And Jesus had permission to go there frequently. And that's where Jesus often went and he would pray right here. Right in this spot. Thousands of years later. Right now, this is Abraham climbing up a mountain. Here's a little town here climbing up a mountain. Nothing happening. But thousands of years later, Jesus would be right down here. He could see it from here. You could see that easy. In fact, it's just a short walk. That's not a long ways if you know topography. Not a long ways. The Garden of Gethsemane. That's where Jesus was arrested right here when he went to the cross. That's where he was, right there. And now Abraham has paused right here going up this mountain. Here's where Jesus got arrested. 
So this little flat spot, you see it's kind of big right there. It's a big flat spot in this mountain. It goes up and it kind of has this little level spot off. This is the first rise coming up this mountain, Mount Moriah. Um, when Jesus was over here praying, do you know what this was right here on this flat spot? This was, that was the temple. That's where all the sacrifices took place. That's where all the sacrifices happened, right there for the sins of the, of the nation of Israel. Every lamb that was slaughtered, slaughtered right there at that time and that day. While Jesus was over here praying, here's where the temple was. And now Abraham and Isaac have just walked up this and they've just landed right here. How amazing is it that we have Abraham with his only son, whom he loved. First place mentioned in the Bible. And right over here, thousands of years later, we have Jesus, God's only son, whom he loved. Praying. Getting ready to be sacrificed. And right here, thousands of years earlier, Abraham with Isaac getting ready to be sacrificed at the temple. And that would be an amazing story, right? But it gets better. Because that's not where they stopped. They were just passing through. That's where the temple would be. That's where the sacrifices would take place. And it would make sense that maybe that's where Abraham would sacrifice Isaac one day where the sacrifices would take place in the future during the days of Jesus, right? Well, this is not the top of the mountain range. So they keep walking a little further. They go up here, a little flat. They go up here. They stop here. Right there on that flat spot. It's the top of the range of Mount Moriah. This is the range, and there's the top, where he built the altar. Took the wood, laid it out, tied up his son, who was willing, very willing. Could have gotten away, could have gotten out of it, could have said, no way, Dad, I'm out of here. But he willingly allowed himself to be laid there on top of that wood and to be sacrificed, his choice. He said, okay, I'll do it. Now, Jesus was arrested here. This is the wall where one day the city of Jerusalem would be. Right in here, real close to the temple, right in here somewhere, is where Jesus was tried. He was tried, found guilty in a mock trial, kangaroo court. And Jesus took, as Chris reminded me this morning, took his own sticks and his own wood that he carried in the form of a cross. And he left here and he climbed up this range here. Right there. And the name of this place is Golgotha. It's called the Skull. And it was right in that spot there, that top spot of that range where Jesus was nailed to the cross and he died. 
for you and for me. And this is the spot that Abraham walked his son and laid him on his own altar made of rocks and wood and was ready to sacrifice his only son whom he loved. And what seems so random is not random at all. What seems so out there is not out there at all. It is not random. It is by God's design that he had this picture already established and understood what was coming in the future and how he was going to take his son, his only son, the son that he loved and his best, and he was going to put him on the cross and he was going to die as a sacrifice and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And when he did, he did it for you and he did it for me and he did it for the world. And Isaac and Abraham were giving us this tiny little picture that they did not understand but God did and he was giving us this tiny little picture of you know what this is no accident that I'm going to put my son on the tree right here let me just give you a little foreshadowing, a little picture of it. And so Abraham, I want you to take Isaac because ultimately one of your descendants, my son, Jesus Christ, is going to do this right here. And so he laid Isaac up on there in verse 12. The angel said this to Abraham. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up, verse 13, he looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram, that lamb, that sheep, he took it and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. What did Abraham tell his son? God will provide for himself. And that's exactly what he did. When Abraham was asked to give me your best, give me your all, your good, your bad, your ugly, bring it all to me, God says. And when Abraham did, then God provided for himself the lamb. And 2,000 years from today, not this day, but 2,000 years roughly ago, God provided for us His Lamb. The one sacrifice for all mankind, for all time. And the only one who could do it, God Himself, Jesus. God provided for Himself. He gave us His all. He gave us all of Himself. He gave us his everything. He gave us his best so that we could give him our worst. And from you and from me, he demands, give me your good. Give me your bad. Give me the ugliest thing you have in your life. And I will give you my best. And that's what he has done for you. 
you want to get past your past, it can start today. Start by giving him your all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in fact, this morning, if for the very first time you're saying, I'm choosing to follow Jesus for the first time. If you're saying that on the back of your connection card where it says next steps, here's what the letter A stands for. Here's what the letter A stands for. It says this, I'm submitting my all to God. I'm going to give him my past. I'm going to give him my present. I'm going to give him my future. I'm becoming a follower of Jesus for the first time. If that's you, circle the letter A. If for the first time you're saying, God, you can have me. I'm taking this step, giving myself to you. That's the letter A. And before you leave today at Guest Connections, where all the books and stuff are, pick up the brochure, the pamphlet that says first steps. Uh, It says next steps, first steps steps. You need that information to help you on this journey. Now, maybe you have already decided to become a Christ follower at another time. And at some point, you just kind of stopped and you started following yourself again. Then the letter B is for you. If you're saying this, I'm already a follower of Christ, but I have been following myself again. So, I'm turning from myself, and once again, I'm turning to Jesus. If that's you, circle the letter B. And then here's the letter C. We could all circle this letter C, if you would, if you're ready. It says, I'm going to do my best to attend the rest of this series, Getting Past Your Past, and I'm going to invite somebody to attend with me, to sit beside me. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to beat them up and make them feel guilty for their past or their present. We're not going to do it. We're just going to tell them, with Jesus, you have a future. And if you say, I'm just going to do my best to be here for the next three weeks, and I'm going to invite somebody to sit down with me and circle the letter C. You're good, you're bad, and you're ugly. God wants it all. Let's pray. Dear God, you tell us in your word that Abraham was described as someone who was righteous only because he believed in you. And this morning, God, we have some people for the very first time who are saying, I believe in you, and I'm going to do my best to follow you. God, you also, in that same passage in James, you tell us that not only did Abraham become righteous only because he believed, but he then was called the friend of God even though he had a past, and even though he had made major mistakes in his life, you still called him friend. And oh God, so many of us desire that from you right now, that you would look at us in our life, and you, we don't deserve it, but we desire you to look at us and call us your child. More than that even, to look at us and call us your friend. And may we embark upon that journey as we submit ourselves to you and we bring you our all, our good, our bad, and our ugly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Pray. Amen. Pray. Amen.